0: Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. The book of Revelation, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent, But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. If you can think back all the way to the beginning of this uh, series, uh, I couched the, the whole in terms of a of an old program that I that I watched as a child. Uh, in search of with Leonard Nimoy uh, for a child and childish imagination, uh, the show was wonderful because. Leonard Nimoy, with all of the authority of Mister Spock, would take us on adventures to look for things wonderful and rare. As I was uh, perform- as I was preparing for this particular sermon series, my mind traveled back to that. Uh, There are similarities in the search for church uh, unity. It is a wonderful thing, to be sure, but exceedingly rare and as elusive as as, uh, Bigfoot or uh, the Loch Ness Monster. Now, in calling it this, right from the very beginning, I had promised a difficult adventure and at least for a little while, perhaps it has not seemed so. Except for my initial assault upon denominationalism and relativism, the things we have considered are relatively plain and well-traveled. We have talked about the invisible church, As the sum total of all the elect in all places and ages, we have considered the concept of unity in relationship to it, and really not much in the way of controversy. We looked at the visible church as the sum total of all those professing the true religion and their children. Uh, Here the Invisible church comes becomes visible in this world through its profession. And just last week, we brought the concept of unity to bear upon that. Again, there was not very much that was controversial in it. It is at this point that uh, we set our feet on a road less traveled, and our difficulties will increase. Uh, we are now on the frontiers of uh, things that are more controversial. But once again, at first, it's not going to seem so, because now we're turning our attention to a third aspect or perspective on the church, and that would be uh, particular Churches. Uh, the The basic idea is that since the general visible church, which is worldwide and extending down through the ages, can't all meet in one place for uh, acts of government or worship, uh, the church must meet in uh, subsets of itself and those subsets would be uh, particular churches uh, that uh, that seems obvious obvious enough i did in in my theological education and i had a lot of theological education that much was presented to me but the implications were not really developed and in particular the implications for unity and when we think about particular churches and unity practically speaking this is this is really really where the rubber meets the road isn't it Um, so uh, so some some due consideration is necessary and um, this was not presented to me in my theological education and it never really occurred to me to explore it until uh until much later and i do have to say that in my in my ministry this led to some misapprehensions and uh, mistakes generally speaking um in uh my former congregation, full communicant membership was, uh, at least among adults, was based upon membership in the general visible church. So the idea was something that those that are credibly professing the faith and their children, the members of the general visible church, have a have a claim upon uh, membership in uh, our particular church. Now uh this was motivated by uh Eusevenum view of church government the idea was that uh, as church officers since this is Christ church ultimately we are not free to make up our own membership requirements and these are the membership requirements for the general visible church Uh, It had not occurred to me that membership requirements for a particular church might be different or more specific. So fast forward a a number of years and I, I ended up considering my old view and asking the question, is it adequate? So today I, I want to do just one thing, at least get a start on it, and that is to look at uh, the definition of, of a particular church as it's presented to us in our standards, and then look at the linguistic and conceptual justification for, uh, for the definition. Westminster Confession of Faith 25.4 reads in this way, This Catholic Church hath been sometimes more, sometimes less visible. And particular churches which are members thereof are more or less pure according as the doctrine of the gospel is taught and embraced, ordinances administered, and public worship performed more or less purely in them. So here, again, we're given a, a view of the general or Catholic visible church spread all over the world and through all time. Uh, there's a, at least an implied recognition that it can't meet all together, so it has to meet in subsets. And so here, the standards present something of a have a working definition for us that particular churches are members of the general visible uh, church. So, um if you might think of the general visible church as a uh, as a body, these would be the members of the body. And interestingly enough, uh the confession of faith cites revelation 2 and 3 as a proof text for particular churches. This is important, and we're going to come back to this. We're going to come back to it a little bit today, but I suspect we're going to be coming back to it more in in coming weeks. So I want to, again, I want to keep a, a view on the lexicography. Remember, the language of church is ecclesia. But I also want to, at the same time, look at the substance of what, what the scriptures say about uh, particular churches. And first of all, when we think about a, a particular church, that certainly can apply to an individual congregation. And uh, the scripture will speak in this way. So turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11, we will begin reading in verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, and let me just say that's ente ecclesia, right? here hear the ecclesia there. So, for first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry. And another is drunken. What? And then uh, Paul continues. But this is a, enough for for the present. I just want you to notice that uh, what is what is in view here in a reference to uh, a church is uh, a particular congregation, uh, a particular congregation coming together in uh, one place. And, um, uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper and, and so on. Now, I'm not going to elaborate on this further. In, in some ways, it's quite obvious. If it is necessary that the general visible church meet in subsets of itself, then there are going to have to be, um, local communities or, or gatherings for the observance of uh, the ordinances. So this is not a surprising use of the language of church at all. However, um, this language of church is frequently used not of individual congregations, but of regional churches composed of uh, multiple congregations. Now, I I just want to mention something, uh, just something for your contemplation. I remember once upon a time uh, reading a statistical analysis of the use of "ecclesia" in uh, the New Testament. And if memory serves, I seem to remember that they said that the most common use of ecclesia in the New Testament has regard to these uh, regional churches. Um, Now again, I don't want to press that too far. I went back and I looked for this statistical analysis in places. I thought I might have read it and I was not able to find it. And a statistical analysis would be difficult because sometimes it's not always easy to um, specify between the various options what the author has in mind in using it. Is it, um, you know, the invisible church, the visible church? Remember, those are all very closely connected or the church found in a region or so on. It's not easy, so this is going to blur the statistics a bit, but... um, at least as i as I worked through this again, there was prima facie evidence supporting it as I was just looking at the various uses of uh ecclesia in the New Testament, so just something for you to think about uh my argumentation from this point, I'm going to borrow largely from the Westminster form of Presbyterial Church government uh and I wanted to look at two churches, if you will. The church of Jerusalem and the church of Ephesus. Interestingly enough the the Westminster Assembly itself had planned to actually go further and um, provide similar argumentation for the church at Corinth, but ultimately they determined it was enough for their purposes to have done this with Jerusalem and Ephesus, but I just bring that up to say more could have been done in this regard and in other writings has been done but as it was adequate for their purposes it's likely adequate for ours so first looking at the the church of jerusalem it is referred to as one church uh, and and that with some frequency the But I wanted to look at just a couple of examples, or a few examples, and look at those after its already explosive growth post-Pentecost. So look with me first at Acts uh, chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So I just want you to notice there that here we have um, a reference to the church in the the singular at Jerusalem. Uh, Flip forward just a little bit to Acts chapter 11. We get another reference uh, to the church at Jerusalem in a similar way, Acts 11, verse 22. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. And then finally, at the Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15, again, a similar sort of reference, verse 4. And when they were come to Jerusalem, They were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. And as I mentioned, this is very common. Examples could very easily be uh, multiplied. However, as the Westminster Divines point out... uh, Multiple congregations in this one regional church um, are necessitated by the nature of the case. So their first argument comes from the sheer multitude of believers and that there wouldn't have been any place to uh, conveniently minister to all of them. So uh, most of you will remember that after Peter's Pentecost sermon, uh, 3,000 were converted. And then we're told after that that uh, more were streaming in daily, who knows how many. After the healing of the cripple in Acts chapter 3, we get another notice at the beginning of chapter 4 howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So just 8,000 on two occasions, and we're told that the, the word is thriving and increasing in between. Uh, more than 10,000 is very easy to imagine. Uh, if some of those other references to the word thriving, increasing, and spreading had likewise bumper crops, then um, it could have been in the tens of thousands. But I just, if we're conservative and we take um, ten thousand, uh, you know, for one for one minister to preach to where he could be heard, you would need a You would need a place that could hold all of those people and a a very particular kind of place to uh, house the sound of a living voice to reach so many. Um, But I go on. Uh, The selection of deacons was precipitated by the difficulty of their great multitudes. Uh, Acts chapter six, verse one, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministrations. So we see that um there are so many that the that the apostles are no longer able to effectively uh wait on tables leading to the institution of the diaconal office. And then even after persecution uh, and more than one, the the numbers of believers in uh, Jerusalem are still portrayed as being a great many. So you remember when Paul returns to Jerusalem and meets with James, uh we have this in acts twenty one twenty and when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, "Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of uh, the law right so so the sheer number of um, believers in uh, Jerusalem would seem to require. Uh, More than one congregation and probably many more congregations. But they are all contemplated as uh, one regional church, the Church of Jerusalem. This is also argued by the multiplicity of um, apostles and other kinds of ministers, elders, and so on. If all of uh, if this was only one congregation, that at a given time many must be idle. And in Acts chapter six, they portray themselves as being too busy in the ministry of the word to give adequate attention to tables. Again, they wouldn't be too busy if one preacher were able to uh, do the work for that vast multitude. Also, the the diversity of languages present at that time in Jerusalem among the believers would also argue uh, multiplicity of congregations so that they can all uh, hear the word of God preached in their own uh, language. I do think that this is fully sufficient to establish that the, the multiplicity of congregations which existed in uh, Jerusalem were nevertheless contemplated as one regional church, and you find uh, similar argumentation concerning the the church at Ephesus. It is spoken about as one church. Uh, flip with me to Acts chapter twenty, verse seventeen. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So here again, church at Ephesus is called one. And you will remember from our scripture reading in Revelation 2.1, again, uh, and this is quite a bit later in her history, the uh, church of Ephesus is simply referred to as one, and it's portrayed as one candlestick. But almost certainly there were uh, more congregations. And again, uh, this would be argued by what were certainly a great multiplicity of believers. We're not given specific numbers like we are at Jerusalem. But we are told that Paul ministered there for three years. And that there was a peculiar blessing upon his ministration during those three years. Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 18. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now you don't have to flip flip here but let me just read to you also Paul's own reflections on uh, his ministry there in Ephesus Uh, 1 Corinthians 16 beginning in verse 8 but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries and indeed this is a, a difficult case but there might be a reference before you leave First Corinthians 16 to a a particular congregation. First uh, Corinthians 16 verse 19: The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord, with the church that is in their house, and they were in Ephesus at that time. Uh, this could uh, the difficulty is this could really refer to one of two things um their household gatherings for worship here might be styled a church or it could be that they had a congregation that was was meeting in their home uh, one or the other and and we could go on in this way but i think it's sufficient to to show that we've got we've got similar kinds of arguments the number of believers would necessitate Multiple congregations, and yet those multiple congregations are consistently referred to as one church. Now remember, in looking at, um, data of this kind, it's, it's important to set it in a context. And for, uh, for a first century church emerging from Judaism this would this would be um a fairly standard and familiar way of conceptualizing these things because of course they had their uh they had their local synagogues and interestingly enough sometimes Christian congregations in the New Testament, a couple of times are called synagogues, uh, assemblies. But then they would also, uh, the, the whole body was contemplated as a body and they would go up uh, as a regional or national church in this particular case. They would go up to uh, Jerusalem for uh, worship together. And, and sometimes the um the, the final authority for acts of church government was also in uh, Jerusalem. But flip back with me to Leviticus chapter 23, and let me just illustrate this very briefly. For those of you that um, know the Bible well, this, this will present no difficulty at all, but try tried to choose a passage that that captures it in a very short space. So Leviticus 23, beginning in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath, of rest and holy convocation, he shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So it is interesting that the weekly Sabbath is contemplated as a holy convocation, and it's contemplated as happening in all your dwellings, right? So uh, you have. Uh, uh, Sabbath meetings that were uh, right there, local, if you will. But then they they go up to Jerusalem, ultimately for Jerusalem. While they were still in the wilderness, they would go up for the tabernacle, for the celebration of um, the other great uh, feast times. Verse four: These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which he shall proclaim in their seasons. And the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. And the seventh day is in holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. So for the great feast, while they were in the wilderness, uh, those would be observed in connection with the tabernacle. Uh, when they move into uh, the promised land, and once the temple is built, they will go up to the temple. Right? So you have... Uh, Local assemblies and particular congregations, the synagogues, uh, their local churches, as it were. But you also had the regional church, in this case, comprehending a a nation. But I think regional is still somewhat fair. It is a national church, but also regional. And when you remember that Israel is really about the size of uh, New Jersey. Okay, so hopefully that is enough to indicate or to to demonstrate a definition of particular churches and even some of how they're used. It is possible for a particular church to be an individual congregation but very frequently particular churches are uh, regional. They can even be national uh, after the model of Israel and we'll talk some about national churches in in coming weeks. So this is the definition, hopefully one that's not been difficult to reach, but in some of its detail, we do uh, bump up against some controversial material. Um, Because the implications, once you grant regional churches, then there are additional implications that follow, and we will be following some of those uh, implications. But I wanted to uh, set forward just one use this morning, and that is for corporate self-examination. Here we have a a reminder of the reason why we got involved in these reflections to begin with. As, As people who live in a context in which denominationalism prevails, it is striking to notice the the ease with which the new testament can talk about a region's worth of congregation simply as the church of Jerusalem the church of Ephesus the church of Corinth and so on and if i if i test and i challenge myself can i as easily say the church of Central, or the Church of Clemson, South Carolina. And in doing so, uh, it's strained at best. I, I can't do it with the ease with which the New Testament does it. We don't generally talk that way, and I think there are good reasons why we don't. There is there is a, uh, a real difference. Now, it is true that... Um, there are believers in, in all of these assemblies spread throughout my hometown here. Uh, so we, the general visible church is here. It's united in its profession of faith and in the truth that is presupposed in a credible profession of faith. So there's that much and that is good. But we also have to deal with other realities. Altar is set up in competition with altar. The churches actually compete one against another. And uh, perhaps not in the fundamentals of the gospel, but in other things which are quite important and have much to do with the glory of God. Contradictory truths are espoused. And so this is a reminder that something is wrong. I am not able to as readily say the Church of Central as Luke is able to say the Church of Jerusalem. And this is this is a warning. This is an alarm. Something is wrong. And so although we are 13 sermons deep into this now, our labors in this regard are not in vain. It is important for us to come to some just apprehensions of what's going on. And as we've already said, unity is important. Our well-being and God's glory is very much tied up in these things. But I also want you to notice, um, and this is a mistake that I made really early on, I tended to think of denominations as particular churches, and this is powerfully reinforced by uh, the way we use the terms commonly. So in reform circles, we talk about the uh, PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America, and we talk about the OPC, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and so on. But this is obviously not what is meant by particular churches uh, in the scripture. And this is not what was meant by particular churches in the standards. Their particular churches are um, contemplated as, um, you know, geographically. Determined, really, they're only divided uh, spatially but not divided with respect to faith and profession and those and those kinds of things, and so that then they're really one. You could just speak of the church at Ephesus as long as in my town there is o p c and p c a and r p c n a and Baptist and Methodist and all of that. Um, we're really not dealing with uh, a particular church, which is why we're having trouble speaking about it. Denominations are not particular churches. They are splits, schisms. uh, And uh, although more and more people are trying to defend that as being normal, fine, maybe even good, The older thinking on this, the thinking with which I grew up was certainly better, the presence of denominations, indicates that something is wrong. And so it is. But to introduce particular churches is really just the beginning of our work. We need to look at the implications of this doctrine, and in particular, the implications for unity.